We're, we've already flipped over the calendar, right? Well, I haven't. My old one's still hanging on the wall back there, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I mean, and sometimes, so it's a time for a fresh start, right? And that's what, uh, it's a great time for that. So let's take advantage of it, okay? And it's kind of like, I mean, it is refreshing sometimes to just turn the page, right? I mean, almost like flipping that pillow over when you turn over in bed. Get on that flip up. Anybody else do that? Flip your pillow over and it just feels cooler. Okay, good, good. The other side of the pillow, yeah. So we're, we're flipping over the calendar, and uh, we're going to, and I, I, I resisted this, and I, I kind of made fun of it. I'm like, oh, word, we're not going to do a word for the year. You know, everybody does that. You know, we've done it before, and then forget about it as quickly as possible. But the Lord kept dealing with me about it. And so I'm going to tell you, I don't know as much as I think I do. Because when the Lord convicted me about it, and it's like, okay, so now I'm going to have to eat those words and say, sorry, I didn't know what I was talking about. I guess we are, because we do have something we want to focus, kind of a word of emphasis. Now, all of this stuff has happened. It's been a crazy, busy time of year, right? We've got notes online, so you can follow along, and we've got several. We're going to, we're going to a couple of passages, <clears throat> primarily we're going to look at, but we have, we have a few other verses we're going to uh, throw at you here, because this is kind of a topical message, so uh, hopefully you'll catch that, and you'll take it and meditate on it later and let the Holy Spirit continue to speak to your heart. But Christmas is, is, is over, right? Looks different in here today, doesn't it? Not quite as festive. All the decorations at our house, you know, I had to climb right back up on that roof and slide around the whole perimeter of it, taking down lights and clips and all of that, risking my life, all, all of this. But we got it done, didn't we, babe? We got all that stuff done. I mean, uh, all... All decorations are down, and they're boxed up, and they're put away. There is no tangible evidence of any Christmas or celebration or merriment left. It's all gone. It's just bare winter time. Now. Uh, we can still celebrate Christ every day, of course. Of course I know that. I know that. But all of the, all the merriment... Oh, speaking of Mary, that was a good lead-in, wasn't it? A, a different Mary, Mary, I don't know. Our, lang our language must be really tough for people who are trying to learn it. Speaking of Mary, before we, uh, you know, pack this away, I mean, all of our nativity scenes and stuff we've packed away, but um, before we turn the page on that beautiful scene of Christ's birth, I want to take a look at her just for a moment, because she is a great example of the word of emphasis that we want to lead into and think about as we're starting the new year. Are you ready for it? Okay, here it is. Okay, here it is. Uh, wow. Okay, can you reset? I don't know what happened. Um, still not right. There it is. Is it? Am I pushing this too, too much, you think? I just get a little carried away. I get excited, and I just hold the button down. I'm sorry. All right, I just want to present something visual so your ears, your eyes, you know, uh, can, can take in these things and help us learn. It's the word availability. There. There's your word, availability. Now, as you can see, the pronunciation is the same. It should be the same here as in uh, UK. Uh, the quality of being at hand when needed. Availability. And there's no better example than Mary. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about your availability to God, okay? So go with me on this. All right. I did better that time. All right. Luke 138. 
the angel has talked to Mary and told her that you're going to be pregnant. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you. This is like nothing. I mean, we've read the story a lot. She'd never thought of anything like this and said, this is what's going to happen to you. And then uh, the pain and the sorrow that she's going to experience. Can you imagine looking ahead to when her son was hanging on the cross? All of these things were going to happen. Uh, but yet the angel tells her this before Gabriel leaves. Uh, verse 38 in Luke chapter 1 says, And Mary said, this is what Mary said to the angel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That is just powerful to me. She said, what you said, I can't even understand it. I can't grasp it all, but let it happen to me. There's such an availability. I'm here, Lord, I'm yours. Let it be according to your word. It's just beautiful, and it's so powerful. So availability, it's a noun. Uh, it is defined as, are you ready for this? We've got to get a definition out there. As um, the quality or state of being available. Now, available is an adjective which, hope, which describes a noun. Available, hopefully, is the adjective that describes you. That you are available. So, it means to be close at hand, ready to go, ready to participate. Uh, we use it in all kinds of areas of life, um, in, in just about anything that we're doing. One definition that I, I stumbled across that I was really impressed with, in reliability engineering, the term availability has the following meanings. It means the, de the degree to which a system, subsystem, or equipment is in a specified, operable, and committable state at the start of a mission, when the mission is called for at an unknown, that is, random time. I don't know if you got all of that or not, but it means you're ready. It means you are close at hand. You are ready to participate, easy to access, easily obtained, ready for use. You see what we're getting at here? You see where we're going with this? Does this describe you and your relationship with God? Think about it. Because God is not looking to see how smart you are. He's not looking to see how good-looking you are. Uh, he, he's not looking to see how good you think you are, how well you think you have life arranged. The primary thing he's looking for is to see how available you are for him to work and move in your life. That's it. That's the big thing. Your best ability, right, is your avail. Ability. Okay? That's your best ability. Your availability. And why not be available to do His will? Why not? I mean, you think about it. The truth is, it's already His universe. It's already His earth. His salvation that He paid for, that He offers... He's a giver of every breath you take, every beat of your heart. If all of this is true, why can't I trust him? Why can't I commit to him? Why am I so busy thinking about me? I can't think about the creator, the Lord over everything. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and since these things are true, he can't just be some add-on part of my life. He's not just something I add on. He is my life. He's the focus. 
And this word involves so many other words, if you think about it. It involves words like surrender. If you're available, it means surrender, sacrifice. Are you following me? Submission, faith, trust, and a lot of other terms come into play when you are available to God. But it starts with just that surrender, that availability that we have to the Lord. Now, there are a lot of examples in Scripture. As I said, Mary is a great one right there. But let's look at just a few if you go with me here, okay? Let's look at just a few. First of all, the disciples uh, are a great example because that was the first thing that they had to have, the first ability that they had to have. So Jesus is calling his disciples, and it's unlike all the other rabbis because you've got to go through quite a process to be uh, qualified to, to be a, a student, a disciple, a follower of some of these rabbis. But Jesus was different. He went to those that no one else wanted. And he went to these guys, and the big thing was, Follow me. Remember that? And, and I started to put all those verses up there, but there's quite a few of them where Jesus just simply came up. And I know in our Bible, we kind of get the condensed version. Uh, it wasn't that there, James and Peter, James, and John, and those guys are out there mending their nets and working, you know, on the, uh, the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus just comes up and says, follow me. And he takes off, and they're just like, okay. And they just go. That's not exactly how it happened. They had been exposed to John the Baptist's teaching, we find out. They had probably heard Jesus. They had listened to him. There was a lot more interaction that had gone on behind the scenes. So when Jesus said, follow me, they knew exactly what he was talking about and that they were to, to, to leave what they were doing and not just become students, but followers going where he goes, doing what he does uh, all the way to the end. They knew what that meant. Uh, that's what Jesus said. It involves access. Does God really have access? Are there parts of my life that I refuse to give him access to? I mean, I'll give him access to some of it, but there's part of it I keep locked away and hidden. I've got to have access to all of it. And uh, surrender. I have to be willing to trust him. He's my maker. He's the Lord. So this was true of all the disciples. Uh, every one of them is he asked them to follow him. And they were available to follow Jesus. They didn't say, oh, I'll come back you know, later on. No, they left what they were doing and they followed him. And the Bible shows us that they followed him throughout their lives. And history tells us that they followed him all the way to the end. The best we can find out from history is that pretty much every one of these guys died a martyr's death, with the possible exception of John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And he may have died of old age, but he had been tortured, he had been imprisoned, he had been exiled, and uh, he's getting to be, a, he's the only one that lived to be an old man when the Lord gave him the revelation that is the last book of our Bible, right? Uh, but with the exception, they all paid a huge price, it seems like, for the decision to be available to Jesus and to follow him. Uh, so does it seem like, well, man, that didn't turn out too great. Or did it? Because as God used them in such amazing ways, one time this discussion was going on about leaving and forsaking everything and being available for Jesus. And uh, Peter asked the question like, hey, we've left our homes. We've left our jobs. We've left things to follow you. You know, basically what happens to us? And that's when Jesus told them this. Are you ready for this? Watch this. See if you think this adds up. He said to them in Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world that's going to come, he says, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, that day still to come, he's going to sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also, he's talking to the, the, the disciples, sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
So it sounds like the script is going to be flipped, doesn't it? They're not going to be despised and rejected. Those who were put down, those who were looked down upon, those who were martyred are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. In fact, he also says this in Revelation 21, 14, when John sees a vision of the holy city, we would call it heaven. It's the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to the new earth, new heavens and new earth. He says in verse 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I mean, it's like a memorial inscribed on the foundation of the holy city, New Jerusalem and heaven. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So yeah, I believe it's absolutely worth it to follow Jesus. Let's keep going. Paul would be another one. Paul, uh, who was known as Saul also, uh, that he was probably the biggest enemy the early believers had. And as he was going around fighting against Christ, fighting against Christianity, you know, he was pondering these things. I personally think one of the biggest moments in his life was when he heard Stephen's sermon that's recorded in Acts chapter 7. Because the Bible tells us that he was sitting at the feet and holding the cloaks of those who actually did the stoning and, and killed Stephen. So he heard something there. Maybe the pieces are starting to come together. But he's still blind spiritually. So you know what Jesus did? He did him a favor and blinded him physically on the road to Damascus. He blinded him there on that road. After being physically blinded, he realized his spiritual blindness. And afterwards, his eyes were open. And his spiritual eyes were open. And he made himself available to follow Jesus. And here was a guy that was a Hebrew. And here was a guy that was a Pharisee and an up-and-coming leader, and he became the primary missionary to the heathen folk, the Gentiles, that he had been brought up to kind of despise. Only God can do that. And listen to what he talks about, having your eyes open. Yeah, here's a guy that knows something about becoming available and it be eye-opening, right? Because he literally was blinded. And when he was healed from that, the Bible says like something like scales fell from his eyes. And, and, and I, some of us need scales to fall from our heart, right? We pray for that. Later on, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and that's what it, or the Galatians. Okay, I'm going to get to that verse next. I'm going to give you this one first. Uh, here's, here's, here's just something about how available he was. All right, let's just have a statement of availability. How did he view it? Galatians 2.20. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Really? No, he's talking figuratively. I died to myself, okay? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How more available can you be for that? He's not just part of my life. He is my life. <laughs> he's the life giver. And the life that I have in the physical body, I live it by faith in him. He gave himself for me. He made himself available for me. And now I belong to him. All right. Now, that other verse I was trying to get ahead of myself with about opening your eyes to the Ephesians. He wrote this. And he's telling about you know, how he's praying for them. And here's one of the things that he's praying about. In verse 18 of Ephesians 1, he says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened or opened. It's like you see now. In your heart, the eyes of your heart 
being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So I'm telling you, as we make ourselves available to him and he opens our eyes, we begin to realize we are blessed. We are we're the richest people that there ever was because we have an inheritance inheritance we're heirs we're co-heirs with Christ the glorious he calls it inheritance in the the riches of his it's his riches think about the riches of God we get to inherit and that's what God opened his eyes to and he's praying that that can happen for you as well and for other people so when Saul became Paul and began to be available for Christ and follow Christ you do realize that he probably lost most of his friends he lost his job. He probably lost some of his family. And then history tells us that he ultimately lost his life. That later on, uh, under Nero's reign, that he was beheaded. That's not in the Bible, but that's what history tells us. But these are the riches that he was anticipating the whole time. So we could keep going. We could go back to the Old Testament and pick up somebody like Moses, like Isaiah, being available for God. Moses, you remember, he gave flimsy excuses when the Lord actually spoke to him out of a, a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. You know, the burning bush. And then Moses, first of all, he just began to say, you know, who am I? You know, I, I can't do it. I can't speak well. I, all this. He just began to give excuses. But ended up making himself available to God. To be the one to go back. Now, here's a guy who kind of understood he was special and God had preserved his life, the writer of Hebrews later tells us that you know when he found that Egyptian beating someone who was a Hebrew and he ended up defending the Hebrew guy and killed the Egyptian and he ended up having to flee for his life into the wilderness. You remember that story, anybody? Okay, do I, I don't need to go back and read it, do I? All right, well, you're kind of looking at me blankly, so we go a lot faster if it looks like you're getting this, okay, just, just so you know. Um, uh, so here's a guy that was a fugitive. Here's a guy that, you know, in the eyes of the government was a murderer. That's who God chose, to be the one to go back and be the deliverer. He made himself available. And what the amazing thing is, even though God matched him back up with his brother Aaron, Moses goes back armed with nothing but faith in God, and a stick. Remember that staff that he carried? Yeah, faith in God and a stick. And God used him to bring the leader and the superpower of the world to their knees. Amazing, amazing, powerful, powerful thing. Here's what, here's what later on the writer of Hebrews says about Moses. Uh, in verse 26 of Hebrews 11, it says, He, speaking of Moses, considered the reproach of Christ... Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That's why he made himself available. Now you, wait, you say, wait a minute, the reproach of Christ, this was a long time before Jesus was born. But it's that same promise, that promise of God's deliverance, the promise that God was going to send someone. Moses later tells them that he's going to send a prophet like me. You're going to hear him. Jesus later identifies as that one. It was because of that promise of God that he made to Abraham, that promise of God that he made in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. 
And he said, the seed of the woman will come and crush the serpent's head, the enemy's head. It's that same promise he repeated to Abraham, that in you, all nations of the world are going to be blessed. If the promise is repeated to Moses and in the law, it was repeated to Isaac and to Jacob and all through Scripture, and it's fulfilled in Christ. And that's what he was living for. That's what he was looking for. He wasn't just looking for the promised land down here. He only got to see that, but he was looking for that that is eternal. The, the reward more than the treasure. I mean, and, 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 and Egypt had the treasures, y'all. We've even discovered some of them, right? But he knew there was something better. Do you know there's something better? And we, we, we use up all of our everything and our availability for things that are just going to come to nothing. And we, we, we fail to be available for the real reward and the real riches. I'm reminded of Isaiah who had this encounter with God in the temple. In Isaiah 6, 8, here's what he said. He heard the voice, I heard the voice of the Lord saying this. So he's just overwhelmed. He bows down, and the Lord, he hears the voice saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I said, here am I, send me. Wow, what a statement of availability. I, I, I don't know what all this is going to involve, you know, I don't know, but you need somebody to go, and um, there, I don't see anybody else here. Uh, here am I. I'm here, Lord. Send me. Boy, now that's, that's powerful. Could we say something like that, Lord, whatever you want me to do? Whatever field you're taking me into, Lord, let me be a light for you. Let me be available for you to speak through me. God can use you if you're available. You might say, well, I don't know enough. I've not, you know, done this. I've gone through that. Listen, if you're available and you listen to him, he can use you. I mean, think about what God already did with a simple shepherd boy named David. Are you with me? Uh, A fugitive like Moses. A heathen prostitute like Rahab. I think I'm going to keep going. Is that okay? A scaredy cat like Gideon. Lord, he wouldn't listen to God. He said, God, you got to prove it to me. And he kept doing things, so God would try to prove it to him. And then, and then there's those blue-collar, redneck boys who were fishermen, Peter, James, and John. Weren't really all that educated. They were rough cut. It's those kind of people. Then there was Matthew, who was a traitor to the country and a tax collector and somebody like that. And then somebody like Paul, who had been public enemy number one. Right, So I know if God can use people like that, he can use me, he can use you, if we are available. I mean, I've always said this, if God can use Balaam's donkey, he can use you. Okay? You remember Balaam was, was, was trying to, to be paid money to prophesy against the people. And, and finally, the, the, that God couldn't get his attention. So finally, the donkey spoke. All right? So I know that God can do that. Now, there's a few of you say, once in a while, you need to throw a verse up there in the old King James. All right? Well, most of you don't speak Elizabethan English. So a lot of times I don't, but you're going to get it this time. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to put it up there. This is from the old King James and 2 Peter 2, 16. You may feel like I'm nothing more than a... The donkey who could not speak. 
Even if you are a... God can use you if you are available. No excuses. <laughs> Woo, what's it going to take? Uh, how about Jonah? He, he, he said he was available, and then God asked him to do something he didn't really want to do, and so he tried to run away. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the Lord continues to pursue us? Aren't you glad that he never gives up on us? Aren't you glad that he keeps coming after us? And with Jonah, Jonah turned and he ran and he got on the ship and the Lord sent a big fish and then the storm and the people on the boat realized, you know, they didn't know God. The gods must be angry with us. And Jonah's like, well, there's only one real God and I know who he is and it's me. Throw me overboard and this thing. And I think when Jonah said that, he thought he was just going to die. But he didn't realize that God had prepared a big fish to come and, you know, and swallow him up. And so can you imagine? He goes on the first, not air-conditioned probably, but um, submarine ride all the way to the shores of uh, Assyria. And, and he, 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 the, the fish spits him out, Right? He spits him out on dry land. What an experience that must have been. I hope when we get to heaven, there's video clips. I'd like to see that. I mean, I've often said that one of the things in the world that I most hate to do, it's throwing up, right? And as bad as throwing up is, how bad would it be to actually be thrown up? You know, so that's what he was. He was, uh, you know, one of the chunks that came out when the old fish, uh, I'm sorry, but that's what happened. So I wonder if the Lord's saying, Jonah, how about now? Are you available now? Huh? And, and it's been that way in some of our lives. We go through things and the Lord lets us, all right, you want to try that? Go have your, your whole, just, just go try it, right? Um, it's just like when I was a little kid sneaking around, you know, that story about getting into dad's red man, getting me a little twig of it, you know, and dad caught me, I was five years old. Dad said, you want some of that? Here, get you a whole bunch. Get you a whole bunch of it. And I turned green, and the world began to spin like I've never seen it spin since. And uh, things that I had eaten since, you know, three years old came up. But um, I can remember that experience. I was five years old. I'll never forget it. And sometimes the Lord has to let us do that. You know what? Is this what you're thinking is going to be the answer for you? And, and, and then just, just, just uh, go, go get a snoop full of it, okay? And, and then, then when you're in bad shape, are you going to listen to me now? Are you going to listen to me now? And it could be you're on that path somewhere, and the Lord's trying patiently to help you to understand that if we just make ourselves available to him, it's going to be a lot better. And see, Jonah still struggled. So he went ahead and made himself available and did what God said do and, and preached to the people he didn't want to preach to. And sure enough, they listened and they repented. And then he was upset because they were, they were their country's enemy. And then the Lord had to deal with them some more. And teach him, you know, how about now? How about now? So leave the results in God's hands. You know, Jeremiah did that. Jeremiah was faithful and available, and he preached, and he warned the nation, and he warned the people about what God said and what God would do, and they didn't listen to him. But God said, you're still successful to me. All I want you to do is be available to do what I want you to do. You leave the results to him, and the reward is up to him. He's got it. It's safe. Your treasures are safe in heaven, okay? And you're going to get to enjoy his blessing forever. 
So I want to look at some excuses that we try to offer, just real quick. Just as an example, this isn't like, oh, now he's just starting the sermon reading. No, 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 no. Um, but if you'll look at this in Luke chapter 9, I want to read this really quick. Verse 57. Jesus was out one day, and he's traveling in Luke 9, 57. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him. So somebody comes up to Jesus, says, I will follow you wherever you go. What a statement of availability, huh? Well, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So basically, all three of these guys missed out. Three losers. They had the idea, they even had the invitation to follow Jesus, but did not. Notice the excuses. Here's the bottom line that he wants us to see on all of them. I'm sure there were a lot of people from different things, but these are three categories that Luke gives us that teaches us something. The bottom line is, I would really like to follow you, Jesus, but right now, I'm just not available. The first one makes a bold statement there in verse 57. (laughs) He says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, that's the kind of commitment a disciple makes. That's availability. But then Jesus informs him, uh, uh, and I know there's a lot more to this story. Here's what I believe. that, that like, uh, We may not be going where you think we're going. Because at that time, crowds were coming after Jesus. At that time, a lot of the people had the misconception that he was going to go ahead and come to power and deliver them from Rome. And, you know, I'm going to get in on ground floor of this incredible thing that's about to happen. They didn't understand that he came to first die for their sins and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God would start within before later on he's coming back and the other is going to happen, right? Yeah, and, and we read about that already this morning. But... Um, so there were misconceptions, and he, he needed to understand that we may not, this may not be going the way you think because, you know, even a fox has got a hole to go live in. Birds, they got nests, but he said, uh, I haven't even got it lined up where, I'm staying, where we're staying tonight. I don't even know where we're going to sleep tonight. And the implication is the guy uh, went away, okay? That's what the implication is. He's all talk. I'll follow you wherever you go. Okay, wherever. What's that? Sleeping under a tree. The implication is, is that's not what the guy wanted. It's not about words. It's about action. We can talk about, okay, you learn that from this guy. And we can talk about being available. We can talk about, we can testify about it. But he's looking for action. Looking for something we actually do. And uh, so the next one, the second one receives the invitation. And Jesus actually invites him, follow me. And, um, you know, he says something that seems pretty reasonable. He says, uh, let me go bury my father. You have to understand something about their culture. That um, it, it was after the father died you received the inheritance and, and, and do all of that. Um, I'm suspecting his father wasn't even sick yet. Okay. But he goes, he said, let me go and let me take care of dad because after father dies, that's when we receive the inheritance and then I'll be in better shape and it'll be more convenient at that time. 
why aren't you taking care of your dad right now? Huh? No, no, this was an excuse to go back. And he said, let those who are spiritually dead take care of that. You do something about life and follow me and proclaim the kingdom of God. Um, he wanted to wait till it was more convenient. So our affections are revealed by our availability. I got to say that again. Can I say that again? Because I don't think you got it. Our affections, what we're passionate about, are revealed by our availability. He was more passionate about other things. And even though they might be good things, our passion for Christ must overrule, is what he's trying to say. Uh, passion overrules convenience. He wanted to be more convenient. And then we have the third guy. He, he started to make a bold promise. And, you know, Jesus' words seem a little harsh here when you first look at it. He says, I'll follow you, but first let me go, say, let me go home and tell everybody bye. And Jesus says, you know, and, and if you grew up on a farm like I did, you know what this is, you know, means. Uh, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit, you know. So uh, I always think of those old days of raking hay, right, Curtis? And, you know, we just had the wheel-type rake, and it was just one side, not the double one. So to make one windrow, you had to go down and turn around and come back, all right? Dad's on the baler. Dad doesn't like to stop and wait on you you got to stay after it. And Dad also must have thought we were not going to have enough hay every year because uh, he didn't want that baler to miss a single piece of anything. So those windrows have to be just right. And that old baler, it doesn't always pick up good. So don't just rake it over here and rake it over here and the stuff. you got to roll the whole thing so it's fluffed up and the baler can eat it up. And if there's those little curly cues in there that he has to maneuver around, not good, not good. And, and if you don't pay attention, those ends don't need to be hooked. They need to be straight so he can go out, right? And then if you're not paying attention, you get to goofing off and you get to looking back. Am I doing right? And then all of a sudden, oh, no, right? And then the next thing you know, you see your dad waving his ball cap, walking across the field, and it's not going to be good. Okay, I'm just saying, I can identify with this, right? I mean, we had issues back then, you know. Hey, I was just a kid, right? And by the way, Dad took the water jug away from me because I kept stopping to get a drink of water. I was on a little tractor, and there was no, there was no cab. There was nothing over me. I was sweltering, you know. But, but he about caught up with me. That's, that's, he had that water jug. You, you, you stay after it, boy. Um, but so, so it seem, seems like that, that point is a good point that Jesus makes. But it seemed like, well, the guy, that didn't seem like unreasonable to go home and tell everybody bye. Well, um, Remember, Jesus hears more than just what we say, right? He wasn't going to follow Jesus. He wasn't coming back. His attention is at home. Why was it Lot's wife looked back? That's where her heart was. And Jesus knew that if he went home, he wasn't coming back. That's what I think. And that's why he said, you can't be looking back. You've got to look ahead. Because your attention it, it, you had an impulse, you had good intentions, but the reality was his attention was somewhere else. So these three men needed to learn that Jesus was not offering them any special guarantees. He was only offering himself. Our commitment must be to him, not just to a cause. Are you hearing me? Not just to a cause. He wants us to follow him because we love him, not because we love what we might get from him. Remember the rich young ruler 
Jesus said, give everything you got, follow me, you'll be rich in heaven, and he went away sorrowful. That's another one we could look at. What about you? Are you available? Have you put your faith in Christ and received him, or are you making excuses and just talking the talk and no action? Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't actually done that, you, you should do it now. You should do it right now. If you're already saved, are you ready to look at your availability in this new year for the Lord to work in you and through you? Are you praying for God to move? Ah, I've heard how many people, well, I'm just praying for a move of God. Praying for Watch this. Maybe God's waiting for a move of you. We're sitting here praying for a move of God, and God's saying, I'm ready to move, but I'm waiting for you to move too. Are you ready to make a move to be available for him? Available for what? Let me just throw these out. They're in your notes if you've got those. I want to be available. This is things I've been praying about. I'm going to give you some of my list to just follow Christ, be a real disciple. I want to be available to pray more. It's the only time you pray is when we're like together and I'll say, okay, let's pray. Are you praying every day? Are you having an attitude of prayer during the day? How about study more and grow more and get in the Word? If all you get is what you get from me, then you're not getting much. To get into the Word. We, we live in an amazing time when we have access to the Word of God and, and tools to help us. And if you want to get in the Word more and study more and grow as a Christian, guess what? We're here to help. I'm here to help. But this is something that I want to do too. I need to do. I need to be more available than I've ever been. How about this? Am I available to invest my spiritual gifts to the glory of God? Well, I don't know what they are. Am I available to let God help me discover what it is he wants to do through me? And these are things that help us serve one another and glorify God. How about this one? Am I available to be more intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus with other people around me? Let's pray about these things. Because this is what it's all about, folks. This is what it is. Does this describe you available? Does this describe this room full of people? I mean, if God wants to do something in your family, if God wants to do something in our community, our world, does God have a room full of people right here who are in relationship with him and tuned into him and are equipped and accessible and available? Are we ready to move? Are we ready to go? This word includes, as I said, a lot of other words. Submission, surrender, sacrifice, trust, faithfulness. It's not, I am available if. There are no ifs. It's, I'm available because. I'm available because, because of what Christ has done for me. Father, I thank you so much.